Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, TuneIn Radio, Spotify and all good podcast sites, indeed even some of the bad ones. This is Anthony the Bull Caruso and we have we have the last of our four major Cricket New South Wales previews, the Sydney Shires Cricket Competition. For a long time the competition had been treated as the little brother of New South Wales Premier Cricket but the Sydney Shires Cricket competition has taken a rightful place in the development of the stars of tomorrow for Cricket New South Wales. Every significant player can trace back to a time playing for a club in Sydney Shires Cricket and with a number of pathway arrangements now in place, the competition has become renewed as a significant development and pathway competition. A competition of opportunity in history, it requires experienced heads to get a, give us a taste of what the competition is all about. So with that, we have three guests joining us to talk about the competition and engage in some very friendly banter along the way. Starting off, we decided to go right to the top of the chain for our first guest. He's a legend at the Roseville District Cricket Club. He's the current chairman of the Sydney Shires Cricket Subcommittee within the Sydney Cricket Association. And he's officially on debut with Triple H Sports. We say a very warm good evening to John Biviano. Evening, Splinters. Good to be here, Bull. It's a, um, it's been a, I guess, a very unusual preseason. Waiting to see if we were going to even get started, uh, but we we have a start. It's going to be coming up this Saturday, and I think you you must be pleased that everything has now come together to see the season kick off. Absolutely, obviously, with uh, COVID finishing up last season early, which was disappointing to. Uh, not see through the final series, um, disappointing for those clubs that were still in the running. Um, it's pleasing that we're able to get a season underway, unlike our colleagues down in Victoria at the moment. And uh, it's great that uh, the majority of clubs have reported back that they're in um, good strength from player numbers and, and financial strength. So uh, looking forward to another competitive Shire season. Joining him is a well-respected administrator from a club that would be probably deemed closest in terms of locality, really for any two clubs within Cricket New South Wales. Certainly the rivalry between these uh, these two respective clubs is is fierce and fun, to say the very least. In fact, they're so close that they're even separated by a golf course, you could say. Um, he does make his return after the Sydney Shires cricket wrap earlier this year. A very jubilant man after his club broke their 20-plus year trophy drought from Linfield Cricket Club. Please welcome him back. Gregory Cook, good evening to you. Oh, g'day, Anthony. Good to be back. Um, the the cobwebs are out. You're ready to ready to go. And indeed, that uh, that golf course is looking in, in trouble once again between mm-hmm. yourself and Roseville. Yeah, no, we've had a, um, a solid pre-season. I'm not sure about other clubs, but um, there's a bit of pent-up demand to uh, to get outdoors out of the sort of darkest days of COVID over the winter. So, uh, and with the delayed start to the season, we've um, we've had a pretty pretty long um, pre-season. So we're uh, re- raring to go. Finally, we have one of the big names of Shires cricket at, at 
one stage a former first grade player with the Mossman Cricket Club and now one of the most feared bats in the competition, former president of the Lane Cove Cricket Club. Indeed, the club of our very own Sultan, Tony Dosen. He is on debut as well with Triple H Sports. Damien Norton, good evening to you. G'day, Bull. G'day, guys. Um, very much a pleasure to be on the show tonight. And yeah, bringing some of that experience from New South Wales Premier Cricket to the Sydney Shires competition, we're now starting to see a few a few of those big-name players playing in the Shires competition, and we're starting to – I guess the result is the standard of the competition really elevating as a result. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Bull. Um a long time ago when I was playing in the early 2000s, there was you know, quite a number of um, premier cricket or first grade cricket players that came back and played Shires, the likes of the, likes of the, the Cheekweed brothers over in South and, um, and other big names. And it went through a period of time where it dropped off quite a bit. So it's good to see um, the standard of first grade Shires cricket um, elevated again by these players coming back. Thank you very much there for that, Damien. We have a lot to get through tonight. 13 teams to preview, plus a discussion about where the competition will be heading, given the challenges of COVID-19 and the very situation of having uh, 13 teams here. On top of that, we've also got the player transfers. And if you think the transfers from New South Wales Premier Cricket had the possibility of throwing the competition wide open, get ready for this because Sydney Shires Cricket could have its strongest lineup and overall quality for some time. So... Once again, we rely on our favourite officials, umpires, strike back and huge ass. It has ticked over for the commencement of play. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. And we're going to kick things off here tonight with the Eagles themselves, the Auburn District Cricket Club. And, John, it has to be said, a very successful season last year for them picking up the premierships in first and second grade. Yeah, performed very well. Strong, strong all around the park last season, batting and bowling and... uh Whilst the season was uh, cut off after the qualifying finals, they were the minor premiers in both those grades and had won the qualifying final. So rightly deserved the premiership. And I expect them to be uh, just as strong this year, but there certainly has been some player movement in and Indeed. out of that club. Indeed. And Damien, I'm going to come to you for the, uh, just to start off with, because of course, Auburn, a very feared team, even a couple of years ago with having the Jalil and the Bursa brothers. But this year, there's only one left out of all of them. And it's their, uh, and it's their captain, Mark Bursa. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where Auburn land last year. Um, obviously they won, won the premiership, um, finishing minor premiers without actually playing in the grand final. So it'd be, you know, they'd be keen to, you know, I guess win a more of a genuine premiership this year. But it will be interesting to see, you know, if they have lost um, a couple of their key players, uh, which the word on the street is they have, it'll be interesting to see how they can potentially replace those because there's a lot of wickets that have potentially left the club. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. And Greg, the... Auburn had really been one of the most, imp- one of the more improved clubs over the last couple of years, um, and you talk about how a, a solid first grade can often have a good flow-on f- effect for the rest of the uh, for the rest of the club. How does a club go through the amount of wholesale changes, especially when a team has been building up the way it had for the last four to five years? Yeah, look, I um I don't know Auburn closely. I, I know Mark Bursa. I was actually uh, on an Ashes trip with him um, uh, last year, so we've uh, got a, a common connection there in the uh, the New South Wales Police. 
um, they're uh, they always return pretty pretty strong across the grade. So um, uh, looking forward to uh, diversing them throughout the season. They have picked up some players here, John. Um, Alex Daniels and John Starkey have made yeah. the moves from Northwest Sydney, and Gagan Deep Dillon from Mounties. Um, I've I've predicted that they're going to stay in the top six, but they're going to be very much battling to stay there. Yeah, I, I I think their bowling's going to be their biggest concern going into this season. Losing both the Jalil boys and uh, Muhammad Ali, who took uh, 48 wickets last year, I think at about an average of 12. I think uh, that's going to be their biggest concern. But, um, you know, a top six finish, but probably in the, the lower part of that is my prediction. Damien, your prediction? Um, I think Auburn will, again, be strong despite losing a couple of players, and I expect them to finish third or fourth in the um, in the season. Finals. Uh, what a surprise that Nordo disagrees with me. Absolute <laughs> surprise. <laughs> it's already started. It's already started. Gregory, your prediction? Yeah, look, uh, I'd be surprised if they're not top four. Let's go to the surprise package in, in first grade from last year. It is the... Balmain South City Cricket Club. I think we're still calling them the Rabbitohs, aren't we? I think we're still calling them the Rabbitohs anyway. Um, finished fairly low in the in the mid-table competition. They did win the fifth grade competition and they finished a very surprising sixth place in first grade. Uh, but, John, a big announced signing, signing to back up their captain, Tamadol Islam, with a player, a first-class player from Bangladesh. Uh, apparently, yeah, a gentleman by the name of Sobush, who is a pace bowler, um, apparently quite impressive. But uh, in saying that, you know, with the high percentage of uh, one-day cricket this season, um, I think, if anything, it probably nullifies their captain, Islam, in, in terms of um, the amount of bowling he, he, uh, he undertook last season. So it'll be interesting to see... Uh, if they can sort of maintain a, a finals place. And Damien, you know, from your certainly from your experience playing against this uh, this team last year, they um, uh, they really did have to rely a lot on um, on on Tamadol Islam to get them over the line. But where where did they come from? What was it that really took that really took the competition by surprise? Well, clearly he was their big signing, and like all good players, he he brings. Um, the rest of the group around him um, to play at a different level. So I think that he de- he certainly did that last year. But I think for me the key for them is is I assume the loss of Rishi Patel, mm. who I know is I know he's back in England and I and I doubt that he's coming back, but he may, he may do. Who knows? But Rishi Patel was really the star batsman, and, and yeah. if they have lost him, that's that's a that's a big out. And I'm going to agree with with Bib here. Um, the one day format um, does not suit. Um, you know, bringing in a big strike bowler, obviously can only get 10 overs out of him. And the other key is, uh, I'm not sure what he's walking, if he knows what he's walking into, but it's probably the, the you know, the, the most dead um, pitch, first grade pitch in the competition. <laughs> and it hardly, it hardly gets above knee height. So I'm not sure how they sold that to him. Greg. Air condition change rooms, mate. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, exactly. we know that. We know the challenges that Balmain South Sydney have had over the last um, last couple of years. It's a club that is on the, slowly on the improve, um, but you would think that after the merger of South Sydney with a with a club with such a rich juniors history as Balmain in the Sydney, it's a real surprise that they really haven't done as well as 
you would think they would have given the merger. Yeah, um, I mean, juniors is such a, an important part to uh, to most of our clubs in Shires. Um, you know, Linfield's particularly strong in that area, although our numbers are down a little. Um, we're putting it sort of down to COVID. There's a lot of um, uh, sports um, that have been uh, affected in that way and sort of a confidence from parents in uh, in signing up the kids. But, yeah, I, I um, in terms of the seniors, uh, Rishi Patel, I'm not sure how content he was with the way the season panned out, but um, he certainly um, performed with, um, I think, something like um, 500 runs uh, for the season. So, um, yeah, they were sort of patchy across the grades. I think they had that sort of uh, uh, Phoenix group um, in, in, um, in fifth grade. So, um, um, you know, the, the strength of, um, of the middle grades was um, uh, was a little down from, from, from my recollection, but uh, um, I'm sure they'll be back pretty strong in the season to come. I've I've tipped them battling, likely to stay in the top six, but they'll be part of that usual dogfight that usually occurs towards the end of the season to stay in that top six. Greg, your prediction? Um, you mean in terms of club championship or in what? First grade. First grade. Yeah, look, um, um, I'll be surprised if uh, if they're in um, in the in the top top six. John. Nice. Ninth, jeez, Damien, that's a big drop pick from from the beer. Your thoughts? Yeah, unfortunately for the bunnies, um, I have them out of the six as well, and I'm going to say they're going to finish tenth. Let we go from one extreme Good to the boy. other. Hold up, hold up. That's all right. <laughs> we go from one club, one extremity to the other, and it is the perennial front runners of not only the all of the competitions, but indeed the club championship, the Burwood Briars. Um, they finished in the top three in every grade except fifth grade and the Frank Gray Shield. They took out what is it, um, Viv? Is it their was it their ninth consecutive club championship? Ah, uh, I forget. Yeah. We didn't have a presentation night, so I, um, not up on my stats, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's their ninety first club championship in a row. <laughs> yeah, it'd be something. <laughs> Yeah, pretty pretty impressive, well-administered club, um, great player depth, um, credit to them. And uh, I'll tell you what, so they've gone aggressive because, of course, we all remember the days when uh, Mark Seymour used to run this first-grade team with an iron fist. Um, those days are over, but um, Damien, they have recruited heavily with Ryan Corn, Nick Govers, and Thomas Burt join, joining the big signings from last year in Brenton Wright and Brad Maguire. Yeah, I think, well, firstly on Burwood, um, you know, they're the benchmark of the competition in all grades and they have been for quite a while. It's a super impressive club. Um, you know, it is pretty annoying to see them first pretty much every year, but you got you got to take your hats off to them. As far as first grade goes this year, I think, um, you know, I'd be very surprised if they were anything but, you know, top two. Um, I think they recruited pretty well last year, um, but... Didn't quite, didn't quite get there in the end. But look, I think that the key for them is if Kovacic doesn't fire with the ball, um, they, they typically haven't had enough, enough bowling to run through sides. Um, but I suspect maybe some of their new recruits may fill that gap. So, yeah, great club, and, and I expect good things again from them next year. It's a scary thought, Greg, that a, a club that's already as impressive as Burwood keep managing to find players to to slot into this squad and the impact that it would have on the competition. 
Yeah, they, they've got um, a great um, a, a great club in itself um, uh, down there in Concord. Um, they um, they're, they're strong, you know, um, right right through um, the lower grades. Um, yeah, there's a, a lot to like about um, and admire about the Burwood Briars, and uh, yeah, they're um, uh, they're really are they really are the benchmark. Um, uh, look forward to um, a, a club stepping up and um, and knocking them off their peg, um, whether it's this season or um, or one coming up soon. And one of the one of the um, the one of the best things that they've managed to do, John, is the way that they've ma- managed their way through the uh, the transition away from that that team that, that was built around Mark Seymour into this this new lineup. Max Squire has taken the mantelpiece on really um, with Musto. Oh, I think that's just. Uh an absolute reflection of the club. Uh, a good club is is bigger than one person and bigger than a group of players, and they've been able to transition uh, through that sort of generational change, if you like, seamlessly. I think, you know, a couple of those recruits that they picked up, um, I understand, I think, um, Thomas Burt from West, I think his, his dad or may have played at um, Burwood Briars or, or had a close association with them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see... Um, Corn and Govers, who were both ex-first and second-grade Premier players from Sydney, uh, what they bring to the table. Damien, I don't think much can be said. I, I, I've got them as I've got them as my favourites for the first-grade Premiership, and indeed, if the first grade is anything to go by, and seeing the players sort of filter through the rest of the grades, I could see them taking out another club championship. Yeah, I mean, you'd be you'd be a brave man to bet against them winning the club championship. And look, as far as predictions go in ones, um, you know, I think they're going to finish the regular season on top of the ladder. John? I have them as minor premiers, but not necessarily uh, the premiership grand yep. final winners. We all know finals cricket is a funny game. Greg, your prediction? Yeah, I mean, guaranteed top four. Um We'll uh, see how it unfolds. We then go to one of the uh, more unusual lives of a, of a cricket club as of as, as of late. And Greg, a club not too far from yourself, the Epping Bulls Cricket Club, um, a few years ago went through an interesting transition where they almost sacrificed their first grade team to bolster their grades two through to four in the instance of trying to develop more depth. Uh, and they've gone back to try and rebuild that first grade team and it just quite hasn't worked out. Yeah, look, um, from what I've been hearing, um, uh, Epping have been strong with uh, with numbers in pre-season. So um, it, it sounds like um, um, they're on the remake. Um, um, yeah, they've, they've got um, uh, some good admin at the club. Um, I, um, I, I, I think, um, I think they're a club on the rise. And and John, the um, their their only pickup is a, is a is a player who has left Macquarie University mm. in Danish uh, Danish Ahmed, but mm. the, their first grade lineup is pretty much the same lineup that has been going through the last couple of years, with the exception of um, of their club legend Anthony Bora. <laughs> <laughs> Which is putting it lightly. Oh, club legend indeed. Uh, yeah. Still vice president. They did have a change of president this year and uh, officially um, the juniors rolled up now under the senior club as well. So off the field, I think they've gone through some change in the off-season. 
On the field, um, I think it will be pretty much same as last year. As you mentioned, Dinesh has gone across there. He had a pretty good year for McEwney last season with uh, close on 30 wickets. Um, you know, the thing about Epping, on their day, they can beat anyone. So when they get it right, um, they're, they're, they're super competitive. Um, so I think they'll be there, thereabouts. Damien, North Epping Oval, an unusual ground because quite often you you can turn up there and you have no literally no idea what pitch they could prepare. It could be as flat as a tack or, as I've experienced a couple of times, it could turn out and the pitch looks like corrugated iron. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, most of the time it is um, a batsman's paradise and you do – you know, as a number three, you do like uh, turning up there to play, especially um, when you're batting at Tantal and Oval every second week, which <laughs> which is typically not a, a huge amount of fun for the batsman. But, yeah, I mean, th- there has been the odd occasion where it's green um, and the first hour is really tricky. So you never know what you're going to um, come up against at, at Epping Oval. But, look, I think Epping are, are a solid club. A solid club. They, they have been for a while now. Um, I don't know if they're going to have Rippington again this year. He was obviously their overseas from last year. Um, if, if we assume that he's not playing, um, I, I don't know if they have the bowling to, to make the top six. I think they've got some solid batting. Yes, they've brought in a spinner, but they've already got a decent spinner, so I don't know how much that's going to add to them. Um, I don't have them making the top six. I, I don't. I have them missing out um, on the top six as well, and I, I actually think um, the, the issue that they've got is that they've had an over-reliance on Ian Janad and Ben O'Connell to score to score their runs. If one of them doesn't fire, they're looking very critically short. John, your prediction? Mm. Tenth. Tenth. And Greg? Yeah, look, um, they're, they're outside the top eight in my book. Um, they, uh, they, might, uh, they might do um, better in the lower grades this time around. We then go to the the la- we go to our last team I think before our the before we go to our break, and it's the Georges River District Cricket Club, the Two Blues, and a club that has really prided itself on consistency and a very solid foundation all round. All all of their teams making making finals and. Greg finishing, they finished first in the Sydney Thunder Conference and fourth in the club championship. And that this first grade team has not changed in years, save for maybe uh, Nicholas Enrique's moving on, being replaced by his younger brother Robert. Yeah, look, um, the, the 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 George River is certainly on our um, radar from earlier this year, back in um, February. Um, our 24s um, beat them in the final. Um, the first time that team had been beaten in uh, two seasons, I think. Um, so yeah, um, uh, st- strong club. Um, I um, uh, yeah, I don't have a, a lot of mail on personnel changes in terms of uh, um, whether um, whether first grade or a chance of uh, they finished fifth last year of uh, of making the making the top four. Um, yeah, it it uh, be interesting to see how it unfolds. We're certainly. Uh, uh, got our eye on them in terms of um, of their 24 strength. Uh, from memory, I think there was um, a few guys that um, were graduating uh, out of 24. So um, I'm not sure if there's a, a bit of a generational change going on there, and they might be um, not so strong. Um, but uh, I wouldn't want to underestimate them. 
Uh, John, indeed, this is one of the clubs that has benefited from having a pathway arrangement with the St George District Cricket Club, and that that arrangement really took them from, I guess, mid table, um, a mid table club to a genuine premiership threat. Yeah, it, it, they do have that pathway agreement. I don't think it's as tight as, say, Warringah and Manly or, or, say, Roseville and North Sydney. But it's certainly they they have good junior junior numbers coming through this season um, from speaking with uh, their club administration. Um, and they've retained the majority of their players from last year. So based on that, I'd expect them to be in a similar position to last season. Damien, they've um, the, the lineup is one that's really been together from through Frank Rashiel all the way through to first grade. Um, Jared Mazukaritz, um, a season I remember with the bat, backed up by Chris MacArthur and Ryan Croom. They're bowling not um, not flashy, but just know how to get the job done. Dan Yates, Ben Vella, Luke Byron, and Pat Kennedy. No, it's not flashy, but it's just everyone is able to play a role at some point. Yeah, absolutely. And look, as a club, um, George's River is a club that I do admire. Um, You know, they're not a club that goes out and splashes cash and um, tries to buy players from from other clubs. They they build teams um, over a number of years. They try and generate their own talent. And look, there's a lot to be said for sides that stick together over a number of years. And I can, um, you know, personally vouch for that, having been in, um, you know, Lane Cove under 24 sides and eventually getting through, even after being, you know, perennial sort of underdogs and cellar dwellers for a number of years, that really builds a lot of resolve and and desire and, and, and hunger for sides. And, um, you know, Georges River, although their bowling, you know, is a little bit of a weak point, um, and it really depends on whether Ben Ben Vella runs around again. You know, he's a he's a key sort of senior player for them with the ball and the bat. But um, you know, if he runs around again, um, you know, I think you might see Georges River surprise a few teams. I've got them. I've got them remaining in the top six, and I think um, the 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 guys that I got from uh, John and Greg is that they're they're expecting them to be around the same fifth and sixth place again. And I, Damien, I don't think it'll be any di- different from yourself. Yeah, I, I see them um, sneaking into the top six again. Um, again, I think really Ben Vela is a, is, a, is a big name for them. Um, if he doesn't play, I think that they might just lack, lack a bit of experience and just lack another bowler. But if he is playing, I see them making the top six. Yeah, got- Bull, Bull, can I just jump in on that? You, yeah. you made a comment about... Um, the group of players that have been together, you know, under Kennedy's leadership, that Frank Gray team that they've had for the last three or four years have been playing in the grand final or been premiers. So I think they've won two out of the last three going down to Linfield last year. So again, with so much one day cricket and having played a lot of one day cricket together, I I think they'll surprise teams, um, you know, in that format. And this is the thing that we, we need to obviously take into consideration with this competition now moving to eight one days and five two days given the shortened season due to COVID. The style of play that's going to be required is going to be is very going to be very different and it's going to suit and hinder certain teams. So is it could it be the case that those clubs with the rich history in Frank Gray Shield could actually be coming to the forefront as a result? I, I think so. And I think, uh, you know, you look at a lot of Shires clubs, there's uh, teams that have that all-rounder 
and who have performed well in two-day cricket, and I think they're really going to come to the come to the top of the come come right up the top this season in terms of the performance and and player statistics in terms of batting and bowling. Right. Well, with but that, at the end of the season, if I yep. could just chime in, uh, Ball. At the end of the season, though, we're um, we're back to two-day finals, so that that's where the crunch will come. Indeed. How does the yeah, team, but, how does the know, team adjust it, to that? Yeah, Cookie, on that point, though, mate, finals cricket is completely different to the normal cricket, two-day cricket that we play because you're playing Saturday, Sunday. So it's just a matter of getting into the finals, as Nordo will tell you. Um, once you're in there, um, anything can happen. Yeah, I think it's just, a, just, a, just to add my two cents as well, it, it is a, a really intriguing um, format this season, um, obviously with the, all of the the one day is up front. Um, you'll see that that brings um, some of the weaker sides, um, mm. you know, to the pack. Um, you know, it is easier to to cause an upset in a one day game. Um, all it takes is you know to bowl bowl a few good areas, get your ring field, um, build a bit of pressure, and you can you can upset teams. Um, I think you, you, the point that you make about finals is a really interesting one as well and how do the sides adapt to finals. Um, I think the reality is when you look at most finals, and to be fair, most two-day games in general, I think 90% of them are won on day one, right? Mm. Um, so, you know, it'd be interesting to see how it fares out. But, um, yeah, I think the, the, the one day is um, certainly at the start of the season brings, sort of, brings the, the, the lower teams and the weaker teams to the pack. Right, well, with that, we're going to take drinks and we'll be coming back very shortly. This is Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, TuneIn Radio, Spotify and all good podcast sites. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, TuneIn Radio, Spotify and all good podcast sites. Anthony the Bull Caruso joining us with our special guests, Damian Norton, John Biviano and Greg Cook to preview the 2020-21 Sydney Shires Cricket Competition. We're going to get straight back into it. And Damian, it is your team up next, the Coveys themselves. And it has to be said, um, no no reports of any transfers so far, but certainly Lane Cove with probably the, one of the most fearsome bowling attacks in the competition. Yeah, look, um, you know, as, as most of you know, we're not a club that, that is able to um, fork out cash and bring in players from other clubs. So we'd like to um, have consistency across the grades and, 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 you know, really foster the young talent throughout the club. Um, we're going to have a similar side um, in ones and twos again last season, um, albeit we do have a couple of guys returning from first grade from a couple of seasons ago. Um, I think we, we are well positioned again as a club to have a, have a, have a pretty solid season. Um, you know, I think as everyone knows, we have a very strong bowling lineup in, in ones and twos. Um, and I think that we'll continue to be like that this year. Um, playing at Tantalon does skew the numbers though, to be a bit, to be fair. I don't think there's a better, um, I don't think there's a better ground in Sydney to, um, to take the new ball, um, especially early in the morning. So, um, we'll see how that happens with, how that pans out with one day as the white ball isn't, um, 
you know, it doesn't move sideways as much, um, but we do kick off at, at 10 o'clock in the morning, so we'll see how that goes. But look, the key for us in, in ones is is, um, is always just scoring enough runs. Um, adding Greg Hunt to the side last year was was a big in, um, but, you know, really we need we need someone to go with Greg um, and, and myself, and if we can do that, I think we'll be very competitive again. And, John, really, it's the the, the the advantage that they do have is maybe while, like, as Damien said, maybe one batsman short uh, in terms of really putting in a, a team that could really threaten for the premiership, that bowling lineup headed up by Scarcella, O'Hara and Cornelius, along with Ravi Ravi, it is scary to think of. Oh, great attack. Great attack bowling on a deck that supports them um, and you know last year it showed with um, Greg Hunt's arrival with 550 odd runs, 560 runs supporting Norto who's good for at least 100 a season um, if they could just find that other batsman that can have a you know 450 run plus season um, could be right in the mix at the end and Greg, really, Lane Cove, probably the most improved side from last year, finishing a very credible fifth place in the club championship. Yeah, um, we always enjoy um, um, playing Lane Cove, especially at uh, Tan Talon. Uh, there's been some um, some memorable uh, matches over the last uh, couple of seasons. Some crazy um, games there, Greg. <laughs> pardon? Some crazy games there against Linfield. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think it was um, season before last where um, where we got rolled for um, uh, for ninety odd and uh, uh, managed to roll you guys for a few less. So well, that was a, a memorable day for. Uh, and we had a tie. We had a tie there probably six or seven years ago as well. Yeah, yeah, no, lots of great memories of of, uh, of the lads at Tam, Tam Talon. So yeah, um, look, uh, I um, they, they did have a good. Um, a good finish to last year. Um, um, hopefully, they can uh, recreate it in the season ahead. I, I've gone. I've gone top three for this club once again. Um, Damien, I'm. I'm just. I'm going to skip you because I'm assuming you're backing your own boys in uh, on this one. I've got us. Th- I've got us in third, mate. So I'm going to be reasonable. Uh, we finished. We finished second. We finished second last season. I think we'll be up there again. But I have us. I have us in third spot. John, I have them uh, second. At the end of the prelim rounds, yep. Um, and Greg, yeah. Look, I'll be a bit looser and just uh, go with top four. Top four? Yeah, that's that's still pretty good. That's still pretty good considering the talent of some of these teams. Greg, we now come to you. It is um, Linfield District Cricket Club. You are approaching 100 years, um, and what really what initially looked like a difficult year given the transition away from what I, I, I've tended to colloquially call the Matt May generation um, into a team that could really be built up on the success of your Frank Way Shield squad from this year. Yeah, for sure. We've um, we've had um, a bit of a generational change um, occur. So uh, Josh Schwa Truen, um, the captain of our um Twenty-fours uh, premiers has now um, taken over the uh, the captaincy from uh, from Will Cook, who's um, who's been in that role for the last two years. Um, yeah, we're um, yeah, everyone's always optimistic at the start of the season, I guess. But uh, um, yeah, we're we're, we're feeling um, pretty good about ourselves. Um, in my um, last ten or fifteen years involvement with um, 
um, with the uh, seniors, we've we've usually been um, uh, we, we've usually uh, lacked black batting, and um, and I think um, uh, we've really strengthened that. Uh, uh, got um, some great maturing uh, talent from uh, from the 24s. Um, we've uh, again, we're a club that's um, that's not uh, in the habit of uh, paying players. We generally get generally get a um, a strong um, couple of overseas players, including one for ones, obviously. Um, but that's not to be the case this year. We, we were in some conversations earlier on, but as COVID panned out, and I'm sure it's the same for most clubs. Um, that um, that was an option that wasn't going to unfold, but um, yeah. And look, just thinking about um, the other grades where we've performed um, fairly poorly um, in the lower grades, um, we've had um, we had strong numbers in in preseason, and um, um, we're, um, we're we're pretty excited. And uh, we just had a um, uh, a preseason match um, up in the Hunter um, in the weekend, uh, just gone, and. Um, and and um, we've uh, we've got um, a um, a preseason against um, against Gordon as well, so um, uh, we're pretty excited. Your your prediction? I've I've gone that um, they will improve in terms of quality. I'm just unsure, but I've got them probably around tenth, eleventh this year, given the movement of some of the other clubs. Yeah, I'm um, I'm a glass half full kind of guy. We're uh, we're top six for sure. And, uh, John, your prediction? I think the one-day cricket format will suit them, um, coming off the success in Frank Gray under um, under that format. I can see them not quite sneaking into the top six, but I'll, I'll say mid-table, and I'll, if I have to give them a number, I'll say they'll finish eighth. And Damien? Yeah, I think, um, again, Biv makes a pretty good point there about one-day cricket. And if you have a look at the types of sides that um, – suit the one-day format, um, they're actually some of the sides that typically wouldn't rate as high. So if you look at Linfield, let's throw into that bucket because, you know, they've obviously had a lot of success there in 24s recently. They're going to be up and about for one-dayers. You've got Warringah, who um, are traditionally a very strong one-day side. And again, they're going to be young, a young side. They've had a lot of success in 24s. So expect them to, I think, punch above their weight. Um, and also Georges River as well, I think, are pretty well suited to um, again, the younger guys to one-day cricket. So I think that although Linfield on paper are probably not going to be, um, you know, a strong side this year, I think that they can actually be together in, 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 in the one day. So I think that the format suits them, and um, I can't see them making a six, but I think they'll give, they'll give it a shake, and I think they might uh, upset a few sides. Hopefully not us in round one. let's go to let's from a club that's showing some promise to one that was i would probably say the biggest disappointment from last year and it is uh a team that had really dominated the first grade competition the last few years biv in mounties they went hard last year with some new signings brought back Mm -hmm. some players but it just seems like the wheels started to fall off the club as a whole last season I don't know if the wheels fell off the club. I think they, John Araco certainly had a shift in mindset that um, the club was bigger than just first grade and a first grade premiership. So they tried to go down a broader route to win some lower grade premierships as well. Um, you know, just constant player turnover. Again, the Jalil brothers moving from Auburn and going across to Mounties this season. 
with uh, Muhammad Ali as well. So, you know, there's a rotation there on their first-grade roster. Um, and whether that's a good or bad thing in terms of not just team culture but club culture, um, only time will tell. But, of course, but then, Damien, you've got the the departure of two, I guess, stalwarts of the club over the last couple of years in Aaron Sylvester and Dan Scheinflug both moving to Strathfield. Yeah, I think I think you mentioned Mounties, the wheels falling off again. I wouldn't say that it, you know maybe the wheels didn't fall off, but certainly they were they were pretty shaky and they were pretty wobbly last season. Look, I, I'm going to write off last season as yeah. a bit of an outlier for Mounties. Um, they've they've they, again they've they've been active in the transfer market, um, more active than an EPL side in the, in the transfer market. Um, <laughs> they must have some um, very creative accountants over there because I've managed to bring in a few big signings again. Um, I don't think, with all due respect to um, Sylvester and and Dan, I know Dan has been a skipper and has had a few good seasons, but with all due respect um, to those players, if, if, if the word on the street is true and they have the, the Jalils and Muhammad Ali from Auburn, um, and I've heard that they they may also have um, Cozzy Beetle coming yeah. across from from Peno. That's a huge um, pickup if it's true. I, I've got them bouncing back massively this year. And look, the key the key for the key for them will be will they have the team harmony to put it all together on the field? I think that they really lacked that last season. And if they can if they can get that team harmony, um, I have them rocketing back up the. Um, back up the ladder and really being in premiership contention again this year. The, Greg, it's, it's a scary thought of Cozzy Beadle moving from Pennant Hills over to Mounties, and it's a transfer that really could complete the squad on paper. Yeah, yeah. look, um, I think if you look back over the last couple of years, the, the sort of results have been um, um, sporadic. Um, it's a sort of team of champions, champ, champions team sort of... Um, uh, issue. I um, yeah. Look, uh, they'll they'll be on the improve. Um, I'm not sure whether they'll necessarily be um, um, be, be top four or top six. It's a uh, it's a hard one to pick that one. Let's go to another. Uh, team. I, I disa- oh, sorry, I'm Biff. Disagreeing, disagreeing on that. I think uh, if if the rumour that Cozzy's over there, um, he's a massive in for them. Uh, the little boys, you know what you're getting, and and Ali taking. Cl- 48 wickets last year for when he was at Auburn. Um, I, mate, I've got them finishing in the top four. I'm going to say fourth. Let's go yeah, to the, I've got them second. Let's go to the next team. And it's another team that's going to go through quite a bit of change, the Northwest Sydney Hurricanes. And Biv, two players out in Alex Daniels and John Starkey, both on their way to Auburn. But, geez, if you want to talk about a returning hero coming back to them, Dean Nash back in the lineup once again. John Nash, yep, and Daniel Johnston returning to the club. Um, so how much of an impact that they will have? Um, John was obviously an outstanding cricketer in his day, um, but like myself, he's pretty old now. Um, <laughs> so not sure how it will help them. Uh, I'll be interested to see if they've. Um, acquired some other players around um, around uh, Don. 
Damien, this is a it was a very young squad following the mass departure of a, of their first grade team over the last couple of years, and a team that have really struggled in the first grade competition. I think even just the presence of Don Nash is going to just give the kids, these kids, uh, a bit of a confidence, and indeed their relationship with Parramatta is one that has been very positive over the last few years. Yeah, I mean, uh, Nashy is uh, obviously a. A great of the game. Um, you know, I think he's 42, 43 now, roughly. So it's, it's a big ask for him to mm. um, to come out of retirement, um, especially given um, the performance of, of the club over the last few seasons. It's no secret they've really, really struggled. Um, it looks like they may be losing a couple of their key senior players or, you know, pretty much um, the only, you know, two of the only key uh, players that they could have relied on in the last couple of years being Daniels and Starkey. Um, if that's true, um, you know, bringing Nashi and DJ in um, certainly brings a lot of experience to the, to the club and to the side. Um, how much how much will that experience count for um, on, on the field? You know, Nashi might roll the arm over with a few leggies and, you know, he'll put a few over the fence again, that's for sure. But, geez, it's a big, it's a, it's a big ask for him and DJ to come and uh, pick up that club and take them to top six. Your prediction for this, Damien? Um, I, can't see, I can't see anything but, um, you know, a, a lower table finish for, for the Hurricanes, unfortunately. Biff? 12th. 12th. And Greg... You know, this is a team that's trying to develop youth, but probably maybe a couple of years too early before they make a significant move up the ladder. Yeah, no, I wish them well. Um, we probably haven't predicted too many sort of teams outside um, uh, the top ten, but um, but Northwest might be one of them. We then go to a team that I think probably will universally be agreed up upon will be in that um, that bottom tier. It is the Pennant Hills District Cricket Club. Um, and it really, John, this is a club that if, if it couldn't, if it wasn't bad enough in terms of their performance last year, if the rumours are true with Cozzy Beadle leaving, uh, it is almost a case of all bets are off. Well, I know he's definitely left the club. Um, that has been confirmed by their president with the president's and the club's blessing. I think Cozzy has carried Bennett Hills for a long time on his shoulders with bat and ball and no one can begrudge him the opportunity getting later in his career to go and play probably in a more competitive team um, and hopefully get some premiership success for himself personally. As a club, I think, yeah, uh, the concern won't be player numbers. I think the concern across the club is going to be player quality and player depth. And, uh, you know, I have heard that, you know, a large percentage of Mountie's fourth grade semi-final team from last year have joined Pennant Hills. So, you know, that may help them in their sort of second and third grade, um, but I don't think it's going to help the strength of their first grade. And I unfortunately um, can see them finishing bottom of the table this year again. Am I am I right in saying, Damien and Greg, that uh, Pennant Hills for the wooden spoon? Yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't um, – you really can't back anything else, really. I mean – Especially with Cozzy gone. And Cozzy, if you're out there listening, mate, you're still looking for a club, uh, give us a buzz. Happy to have you. <laughs> um, but no, in all seriousness, um, look, Penno have been, to be honest with you, a basket case on the field in first grade for the last few years. And um, 
if they don't do, some, do something drastic, um, I fear for their future. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've heard about a few dollars floating around, but, but Lee and Bone. So, um, yeah, I guess if um, if we're asked to pick a wooden spoon, or, um, it'd be um, hard to go past Pano. Let's go to your home club, Biv. The Roses themselves and a and a club that, you know, from their Anas Horribilis from 2015-16, very much on the improve and the addition of Tim Lay, the Sydney University all-rounder, really has made this first-grade lineup very competitive. Yeah, the usual suspects, you know, Lenahan, Blunt, Sweeney, Gabay, who have been uh, with us and uh, part of that first-grade setup now for 10-plus years uh, are all returning. Yeah, Tim, Tim joining the club to, to play with... Uh, um, some off-field friends last season was a was a big pickup for us, and uh, he certainly, you know, with bat and ball, um, you know, helped us win many a game. Um, I, I think the one-day format is actually going to suit the first-grade boys, and uh, you know, we've we've haven't picked up any other sort of big-name players, but if pre-season trial form is anything to go by, I think uh, I'm confident that the boys are going to give it a real shake this year. Greg, this is a lineup that is probably considered one of the best batting lineups in the in the competition, maybe slightly short in the bowling sense, but given the move towards one day cricket, as as the Biv has said, this is a lot this is a format that could suit the Roses very well. Yeah, look, um, we're not going to um, underestimate them. I, I think off the top of my head we're um, up against them in round three. Um the the um, Biv, they must be the average age must be up there in terms of um, first grade terms across the comp. Oh yeah, the boys have kicked over into their early thirties, so they're they're about to hit their prime. <laughs> <laughs> no, When's no, your prime, no, Biv? Uh, When's your prime uh, coming, mate? Okay, mate, in uh, <laughs> a year's time, I'll tick over fifty Nordo, and hopefully the second half is better than the first half for me. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, uh, we play for the uh, Stuart Mathlin Trophy um, every year, and uh, I think I'm right in saying, Bib, we um, we haven't won it in the last ten or eleven, maybe even twelve years. We've yeah, had, you uh, are you are correct, mate. Do you remember we, what uh, it looks like? We, <laughs> yeah. oh, you've you've had new frames and everything done at your club. I was admiring <laughs> mum, uh, earlier in the year, but um, um, so um, we have, you know, when Mrs. Mathlin um, arrives to. Um, to, to be part of the presentation, we hope it's a different story um, this this time around. Um, I think um, it was two or three seasons ago that we um, it was a one day and we uh, we put on. Um, hmm, I was overseas at the time, but I think we put on um, on uh, three forty or something, and you chased it down. Maybe, maybe it was even more than that. But um, yeah, and no, that that's a great rivalry. And as you said at the outset. Um, Anthony, um, you know, really just a golf course between us. Um, you can you can hear the shouts from one oval to the other. Um, 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 you know, if the wind's blowing in the right direction. So uh, we're certainly um, a, lo- a local derby um, rivalry, and uh, looking forward to that uh, for that round coming up. Damien, the we talk about first grade um, New South Wales Premier cricket players coming to a lineup, and what an impact um, Tim Lay has had, especially given that given his record winning a Kingsgrove T20 Cup competition as well. Yeah, look at you know um, 
I think I played against him a long time ago, and he's obviously a he's been a quality cricketer for a long time now, um, and it's a great addition to, to the Roseville side. I do believe he might be um, having a baby soon and might miss a few games, so we'll see what his availability is going to be like. But look, I think for for Roseville, um, they're you know they're a really solid club. They've been on the improve. Um, their first grade side has a lot of talent. I think that a lot needs to go right for them to. Um, you know, to, to make the top six. Um, they certainly do have the, the, the talent and the ability to, to do that. Um, but they need a few guys to get, you know, 400 plus um, and they need some support um, for, with, uh, they need to support Lenny and, and Tim Lay to uh, on the wicket side of things. If they can do that, then they can certainly um, shoot for a top six. So you're, you're predicting them to be in that battle for the, um, for the fifth and sixth place positions, which is often usually yeah. quite tight. Yeah, I have them in with the likes of George's River to um, to fight out for sort of fifth, sixth, seventh. Biv, you're backing them in. I think we'll finish the prelim rounds third, and I think we'll uh, end up winning the premiership. <laughs> no surprise there, Greg. Look, um, with all the um, the fifty over matches coming up pre Christmas, um, an aged team, uh, Tim May not being there week. Um, I don't think they're improving ninth position. Let's go to the next team, the Strathfield Cricket Club, the Gorillas. And, you know, in one aspect, Damien, it was a season to remember. Paul Donovan breaking the record for most runs in a first-grade season, which was set only the previous year, but they were denied finals with four draws last year. Yeah, um, interesting. I don't know where they get these stats from because I'm, I'm pretty sure that he hasn't broken the record for most runs in a first-grade season. But um, certainly there's been a few that have actually cracked the 1,000. Greg Everest has done it a couple of times. Murray Rayner, I think. Um, but anyway, uh, regardless, um, Jamie, Paul, Paul's, Paul's – uh, not certainly not me. Paul's season last year was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Um, and what was even stranger was he was scoring – um, you know, truckloads of runs, and and often they wouldn't win the game. I mean, if someone gets a ton, you really should be winning a game in, in, in Shire's cricket. And unfortunately for Strathfield, um, you know, they really need to um, to pick up the bowling side of of their side. And if they can do that, um, they can compete. Um, but yeah, I mean, with, without that, um, I think it's going to be a real challenge for them. John, is this a team that, given the one-day format, they could bat teams out of the game? Or do you think their bowling attack is that weak? They could actually still get chased down. Yeah, I, I think their bowling is an Achilles heel. Um, look, I, we don't know what the decks are going to play like early either. So um, that could help them. That could help their bowling significantly if decks are sort of slow and a little poppy and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, they... Runs is important in one-day cricket, but, you know, you've got to restrict the runs or you've got to bowl the team out. And I, I just don't think they've got the, the cattle at this stage, from what I hear, um, to do that. Greg, your prediction on this team and a couple of thoughts? Yeah, look, um, it's I'm taking what um, what others have said there. Um, they, they finished um, 10th last year. It's, um, it's hard to see them um, improving. Um, by by much. So look, um, I'm sort of you know I'm predicting outside the top six. And we move on to the, to the last team, the Warringah Cricket Club, the Men in Green. And Viv, I know you've been waiting to stick the boot in a little bit on this. 
but you've probably taken one look at their their transfers from last year, and if you were a selector for first grade, you'd be absolutely horrified. I haven't. You haven't. I haven't. I haven't looked at their transfer. Um, at well, all. here so we go. F- here, fill me here. in, Bull. Fill me so in. So we've got <coughs> Ross, Ross Zellum, who's obviously returned to England. Nathan Heath, Craig Rupert, Matt Fisher, and Brad Lewis have all retired, and Matt Cole has moved on to UTS North Sydney. Who, who are your guests? Who have they managed to pick up there? I believe the only one they've picked up is Jimmy Boyer, who's come back from Manly grade to, to come in. But apart from that, there have been um, – and the other one is a, a, an Englishman who has moved to Australia permanently, uh, who has played um, league cricket in um, Kent, high division league cricket in Kent in Rob McSweeney. Mm. But apart from that, there's a couple of big names there missing that will result in a lot of experience being missed. Yeah, look, uh, in saying that, they've um, traditionally been a strong club through the grades, and this may present opportunities um, for some of the younger players coming through. They've also been um, pretty competitive in in the under-24 Frank Gray competition over the last three or four seasons. So if those guys get an opportunity, particularly early in the season uh, when a lot of one-day cricket's being played, um, it could have them in a pretty strong position at the halfway mark of the competition. So suddenly guys come out of retirement when there's uh, premierships uh, on offer and some of those guys may return um, later in the season. Damien, are we, are we to believe this, that there, that there could be a bit of premiership burglaring going on for some of these retired players? I mean, we all love Craig Rupert, but is he really the kind of person to do that if he can sniff a premiership? <laughs> Um, Who is it? Who is it? I think think why not, right? If if you've paid your dues, if you've you've, you've paid your dues and earned the the right, then 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 why not? You know, if if you if you've played thirty games for the club, then you probably don't have the right to do it. But if you've been um, in there, you know, playing for a number of years and you're getting towards the end of your career and can't play the full season, then why not? But I don't know if, you know, Craig may, may fit into that boat. But, look, I think for, for Warringah... Does he fit um, into a boat at all? <laughs> <laughs> Brad, Brad Lewis and Freddie Bassett definitely fit into that category. So. <laughs> yeah, look, unfortunately for Craig, I don't think that he's going to have a chance to come back and burgle a premiership even if he wanted to this season. Um, look, look, I think with Warringah, they're another club, just like Linfield, that you can throw into the boat of... Um, or into the bucket. If I was if I was a skipper of that side, I'd be saying to them, "Hey guys, look, this is just let's just forget about anything after Christmas. We've got eight one days yeah. prior to Christmas. That's for us. That's a Frank Gray Shield um, season. So yeah. let's just go out and play a Frank Gray se- uh, Shield season together, like we have the last five or six years. We've played so well together, and let's go out and beat some of these sides. Some of these sides who have." You know, 35, 40-plus um, aged players that maybe aren't um, very dynamic in the field. And we've got – we can just bowl good areas with a ring field. So, again, Moringa, I think they can really if – if they take that attitude, I think they can um, uh, do, you know, cause a bit of damage in the first half of the season. And who knows, they may pinch a top six berth. Greg, you um, you overcame – Linfield overcame Moringa in the Frank Shield competition last year. Uh, what did you make of that of that squad, and could a number of those players end up playing first grade? 
Yeah, look, um, I think there's a lot in common between uh, Warringah and Linfield in, in to that extent. And just uh, carrying on from um, from Damien's comments, um, the uh, this um, 50 over draw pre Christmas um, suits our clubs. I think. Um, I think uh, any casual observer would say that the uh, the standard in the field for um, for Frank Gray is um, at least as good or better as, as first grade, and um, and that's obviously an important element um, in the uh, in the 50 over game. So um, yeah, look, um, they, um, they 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 finished uh, fourth last year. Um, I'm, I'm well and truly backing them for for the top six, if not the top four. I've I've put them I've put the kiss of death of my on my own club, which probably means that they may well end up finishing in the top six. I've got them dropping out altogether. Yeah, re- reverse psychology. <laughs> Biv, uh, yeah, Paul, I've got them coming seventh. I think they're going to be in the mix, uh, but with those outs that you mentioned up front, it's a it's uh, going to be a big challenge for them. And Damien. Look, I think um, Warringah have got a long history of being competitive in, in the top grades. Um, but, you know, if, if all of these outs are to be believed, then um, I think it's going to take, you know, a, a really strong start to the season in the one day as to get anywhere near the six. If I'm predicting it, I'd say they're going to miss and they're probably going to be mid-table. Right. Coming up towards stumps for the episode, but before we go, uh, one big um Question mark over the competition moving into the uh, into the future. Uh, obviously, the the sad announcement during the off season, Biv, is the uh, Macquarie University dropping out of the the competition, uh, leaving us with thirteen teams. Um, the question now is, what direction will the competition go go forward? There's three options. Obviously, the three obvious options that are coming through is that they persist with thirteen teams, which have been done in the past. Is there a possibility it could reduce to 12 teams to level it out? If so, which club goes? Or do we expand back up to 14? And is there a scope for a club coming into the competition? Yeah, uh, the subcommittee certainly has some work ahead of us this season. All three of those options are uh, certainly on the table. Uh, The opportunity to uh, find a 14th club um, has been explored in the past. Um, is that the right number of teams for the Shires competition? Um, is having a buy, you know, people like a buy or don't like a buy? I think some people don't mind a buy when you're playing a lot of two-day cricket and getting a break sort of mid-season. But uh, this COVID-impacted season being a lot more one day as the buy can be a little bit frustrating. And could the could we go back to 12 teams and, and a team drop out? I'd hate to think that a team would drop out. Um, so it is important that, you know, financially um, they are strong, all clubs are strong off the field, that at an administration level um, clubs are strong and that uh, ultimately you have uh, player numbers and player quality on the field. We want it to be a, a you know, competitive competition for all the clubs that uh, play in Shires. Um, could clubs merge? Um, all those sorts of things are um, always uh, an option. And you made the point earlier, Bull, in the podcast that, uh, you know, Linfield and Roseville are separated by a golf course, you know. Is, is that sustainable in years to come in terms of that, you know, geographical um, pool of players? So there, there's all sorts of question marks over 
over the competition and that's uh, why people kindly volunteer to get on the subcommittee and work through uh, some of these challenges. Well, with that, that is uh, Stumps here for the podcast. What a big podcast it's been indeed. And uh, our sure our, our executive producer, Keith Topolsky, the Lord Mayor himself, would appreciate trying to work on something like this. I want to thank our special guests here. First off from Linfield Cricket Club, uh, Damien, uh, Greg Cook, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, no, thanks very much. No, Damien Cook is much quicker than me, the Rabbitoh, <laughs> a rug NRL player. Um, I, won't, I won't challenge him in a sprint. <laughs> Damien Norton, uh, always a pleasure and uh, looking forward to seeing you on the cricket field once again. I appreciate it, guys. It's been enjoyable. Cheers. And John Biviano, uh, thank you for joining us, on, not only on behalf of Roseville, but of course of the Shires subcommittee. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Uh, thanks, Norto. Thanks, Cookie. See you around the grounds. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. On behalf of John Biviano, Greg Cook, and Damien Norton, I'm Anthony the Bull Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. <laughs>